0: Welcome to the Church on the Rock podcast. It is our prayer that this message brings hope and encouragement into your life as you go about your week. Thanks for tuning in. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, we believe, is clearly seen and taught in the Bible. And rest assured today, on believing the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, you're on solid biblical ground for your faith basis. Uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I taught on four, um, taught on four foundations of Christian faith, and, I, and these are actually things that I say almost every day in my prayer closet. Almost every day in my prayer closet, I say, "Because Jesus, you died on the cross, the power of sin is broken. everybody notice it 's sin, capital S. How many know the power of original sin is broken because of the cross of Jesus? Amen. There's a difference between the cross and the blood. Uh, Because of the cross, I know that, that my sin is broken. And because of the blood, turn that down just a little bit, Joseph. I have forgiveness of sins. And that's where we took of the cup today. And we see that that's plural. And how many know though your sins be as scarlet, they're white as snow through the blood? Amen. So we know that the, that the cross broke the power of sin and the blood cleanses me from all sin. We know that. The second thing is because Jesus raised from the dead, I have received new life. The Bible says the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Hit your neighbor on the side and say that God's Spirit lives in me. Amen? He lives in me. And just as God raised up Christ Jesus from the dead... He will give life to your mortal bodies. Everybody say mortal body. Amen. That means the body we're living in now. How many know we're going to have an immortal body? But right now, the body you're living in, how many say we can have life in this body? And not only life, but abundant life. So because, and because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, I've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. And because Jesus has been exalted to the, hand of the, fa- to the right side of the Father, I have the outpouring of the Spirit. I want to do that again. Because Jesus died on the cross, I have forgiveness of sin. Because Jesus' blood was shed, I have forgiveness of sins. Because Jesus rose from the dead, I have newness of life. Because Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father, think about that, because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, how many say this? I am seated with Him ephesians 2 6 says that we are seated with christ how many believe he has all authority he has all power he's in control amen we're seated with him but here's the fourth foundational truth that we need to get because we all believe i think those first three but the last one it says because jesus is exalted we have the outpouring of the holy spirit The Bible says this, and it's as big as a fact of these other things. The Bible says this in Acts 2, verse 32. It says, God raised Jesus from the dead. We're all witnesses of this. Now he's exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And look at this. And as the Father has promised, he gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon his, just as you are seeing and hearing today. Brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit wasn't poured out upon people in the Old Testament. It only descended and came upon a few. It came upon kings, priests, and prophets, and just a few. But when Jesus was exalted, that's when they said, Oh, Jesus, you know what I promised? You know how I promised that the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on all flesh? That is now ready to be fulfilled. Not when you died on the cross. Not when you raised from the dead. But when he was seated at the right hand of the Father, and when he was exalted, the Holy Spirit was released. I want you to get that today. I want us to get a revelation of that. It did not happen until that point. Think about it. When that finally happened, think about the burst in the spirit realm. Think about how the Holy Spirit came upon people like it never come before. And that is the fullness. Well, why why are you so radical? Why are you so excited about that? Because I see people that believe in the cross, in the blood. And I see people that that say, hey, I believe he raised from the dead and I have newness of life. Uh, I even believe that I have, some are like, I even believe I have a little bit of authority. I even believe that one. But a lot of people have not experienced the outpouring of the Spirit in their lives because they don't know that they know anything about that or maybe they don't believe that. But we're given a solid, basic, foundational truth today. Because He was exalted, the Holy Spirit's been poured out. Hallelujah. And then last week we talked about the three baptisms. We saw the baptism into the body of Christ. That's where we're born again. Then we saw water baptism. We're having a water baptism next week. It's still not too late to do that. I think we've got eight planned for next week. But uh, there's water baptism. And then the third baptism is baptism in or with the Holy Spirit. So last week we made it real clear. If you you weren't here, go listen to the podcast. We made it real clear that there's salvation in the name of Jesus. And then we talked about how 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 we move on to water baptism. Baptism. But then Acts nineteen and Acts eight said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? Have you received?" Well, we've not so much have heard of the Holy Spirit. Kind of sounds like the church I grew up in. We've not so much even heard about the Holy Spirit. Who's that? What's that? Amen. So you're hearing it from this pulpit today. When, when, what lies at the heart? What lies at the heart as the vitalizing power? for effective Christian life and service. How many want effective life and service? Christian life and service. What lies at the very heart as the vitalizing power of that for all of us, for all of us, is the personal presence and ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of us. In consideration of the gift of the Holy Spirit, I think it's helpful to think of the Holy Spirit in two ways. One, the Holy Spirit outpoured, we're going to talk about the next, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit outpoured, and then we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit indwelling. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Our purpose is to understand these twofold basis and how they can become an experience to us. Uh, I believe that Scripture shows that there's a lot of dis- distinction between the Spirit upon and the Spirit within. I believe there's a lot of distinction between uh, the outward spirit manifestation and the inward manifestation of the spirit same baptism same holy spirit different manifestation they are both different yet equally important to our experiencing the power for effective life and service the holy spirit within everybody with me today the holy spirit within aids us in christian life and service and effective life the holy spirit upon It's for effective service and outpouring to do things for him. I want to start by saying you are the temple of the living God. If those guys will, I want to look at the Old Testament uh, scripture just a little bit. If you notice, uh, when you came in, um, you've heard about, I wanted to lay it just a basic. If you don't know anything about Christianity and faith and stuff, we're going to make this as simple as you can. When Moses had the tabernacle or when Solomon built the physical tabernacle. When the children of Israel left Egypt with Moses and the Ten Commandments. You all know that story. They had this in their camp. In the middle of their camp. Okay. Um, you saw the outer court. And then there was the inner court. And then there was the Holy of Holies. Keep it real simple. Next slide. On the outside you see um, the, the brazen altar. You see... Uh, The laver. And then open up. Yeah, I can see a little bit. And then you see the inner court. Do the next slide. That one didn't come out real well. But I want you to notice as you keep walking in. You start seeing the different, um, different elements in that next outermost place. But then clear back in the very back. Clear on your left side. I want you to see that, that uh, tent, that canvas went across and the Ark of the Covenant was back there. I'm trying real hard not to talk about all these things because I just want to talk about that Holy of Holies area. Okay, so now let's go to the last slide. That's that Holy of Holies area again. In that you see the Holy of Holies, you see the curtain, and then you see the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, so that kind of gives you a, pic- a picture Notice that curtain that separates them. Here's what that is. God put the temple curtain there for safety for his people so that no one could enter that holy of holies and live. Only the high priest could go in that one spot. Only one person could go in that one spot once a year. And they even tied a rope to his waist and there were bells on his, on his clothes so that if, if he died they could drag him out. Because if they went in they would perish too. So we see that it was a holy place that only one person could go once a year. Okay, the size the curtain represents, this curtain represents separation from a holy God from sinful mankind because our sins separated us from God. This curtain, uh, the size and thickness, this curtain was 60 feet long, 30 feet wide, and it was about an inch thick. It was so massive that it says it took 300 priests to put it up and manipulate it so there was no way that someone could just inadvertently trip and just stumble and fall into that holy place okay the holy the holy of holies was covered by this curtain and no one was there to enter except the high priest and he could only do it once a year and that was on what we call yom kippur and that's the uh, day of atonement where they would offer the blood sacrifice on the mercy seat as incense to the lord are you all with me today Also inside there was the Ark of the Covenant. We're not talking about uh, Indiana Jones and the way it's depicted in there. Indiana Jones missed it a little bit on that. But the Ark of the Covenant, let me read a scripture about that. In that room where the Ark of the Covenant was, there was a gold incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold. In other words, this chest, it was Arcadia wood, the Arcadia wood symbolized human, human, and then it was covered with gold, which signified deity. So that chest was Jesus Christ, okay? The Old Testament is a type of Jesus Christ, always. When you read the Old Testament, always try to see Jesus in it. So that chest was Jesus coming in a human form, but yet there was gold around it. So he was God-man. He came, came as a man, as, as, and then and then on top of that, there was a one-inch gold that was beaten with hammers and put through the fire and then there were angels over the ark of the covenant looking in and when that priest would go in he would pour the blood on that mercy seat okay and when he poured that blood on the mercy seat it would bring an in incense and that's where God quote unquote lived or that's where he was at that's where he was at and that's where man talked to God once a time once a year okay so that chest when you think of that chest inside that chest the Bible says there were three things inside the ark there was a gold jar containing the manna and then the second thing there was Aaron's staff that sprouted with leaves and the third thing was the Ten Commandments so inside of that thing there was those three there was those three things okay the the manna the jars of manna which I just read about this week in my Bible um, the, the very first time manna came, they gathered it and put it in a jar and they saved it and carried it with them. I didn't realize how they, how they did that, but they got the very first one and they saved it and put it in a jar and they took it with them. And then later it was placed in this, in this ark. Amen. But anyway, this represented man's rebellion towards God's provision. So when you see the, it's inside the ark, because people were saying, We don't want this manna anymore. I hate this manna. I don't want this manna. And what that was saying in today's religion is I don't want Jesus. I don't want that provision. I don't want that. It was man's rebellion against what God God said. The second thing was man's rebellion to God's authority. Aaron's staff was in there. They were wanting to kill Aaron and Moses and get rid of these guys. But Aaron's staff budded to prove that he was God's authority or God's person. Well, inside there, that also represents how man shakes their fist at God's authority. They beat the prophets. They they reject the message. Amen. And then the last thing is the Ten Commandments. And that represents man's inability to keep the commandments of God. But what's interesting is it's inside the box. It's inside Jesus. So what Jesus does when you become, when you get where you're in Christ, He takes all your rebellion against what He has given as provision that you rebelled about. And He takes all of the the rebellion that we've had against God's prophets and and we take all of the inability to keep the commandments and to keep the law. When, When we get born again, Christ puts that inside Him, Jesus, and God can't see it because we're in Christ. And then on top of that, that, that thick gold that was beaten talks about how Jesus was beaten. He was chastised. He was beaten. And then the blood was poured upon that. Here's something really interesting. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, where it talks about how Jesus is a propitiation... If you take the word propitiation in the Hebrew, it's the same Hebrew word as mercy seat in the Old Testament. So wherever you see mercy seat, you could say propitiation of Jesus Christ. And what propitiation did is that means that Jesus took our chastisement. Propitiation, see God is just, but he's also merciful. Merciful. Like today, we're all saying, oh, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. We love your mercy. You're so kind and all that. But he's also just. Whenever sin happens, sin has, there's judgment for sin. And so all of us stand condemned of sin and stand in the need of judgment. But Jesus steps in as the lamb, our propitiation. And he was judged, so we're not judged. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says that he who knew no sin became became sin so that I might be made the righteousness of Christ Jesus. So propitiation means that Jesus, the chastisement, Isaiah 53 says, the chastisement for our peace, the peace that we needed to have with God, there had to be justice served. Even, even when you do something wrong and I do something wrong, there's even something inside. When people do something wrong to us, there's something that where we want justice to be served. Like the guy on TV that, that is the police officer that he thinks the Golden State Killer. We want justice to be served to that man. There, there, there's justice that needs to be required. Well, justice is required in the things of God. There, he is just. He is just and justice is required but what happens is jesus took your judgment jesus took your condemnation and it's by him taking the chastisement for our peace the reason we're with peace with god is because jesus was beaten he was bruised there's only one time in scripture when jesus didn't say didn't call god father And there's only one time in the New Testament when when He didn't... Jesus always said Father to Father. But there was one time, and that was when He was on the cross, and He said, My God, my God, why have You forsaken Me? Because it was that point that He wasn't Father, but He was Lamb, and He was propitiation, and He stood in judgment for the sins of this world were upon His back. By His stripes... We are healed. So when you worship God for His mercy, also worship Him for His justice. Because none of us, none of us would go to heaven if it wasn't for Jesus. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care how you look down your nose at other people. I don't care how you judge others. Whoever He's going to make it in heaven. He's going to have blood Jesus over him. Period. Period. So, so, so that's what the ark represented. So when Jesus cried, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathed his last breath. What happened? The temple well, there was an earthquake. It got dark. But the temple, that curtain that was in that temple, it tore then jesus shouted again loud and he released his spirit at that moment the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two and i want you to watch this from the top to the bottom every detail in scripture is important the curtain was torn at the exact moment of jesus death Because our separation from God by our sin has been paid when Jesus was on the cross. Notice the temple curtain was torn from the top down to the bottom. Indicated that it was torn from the top by God Himself. He started at the top with no human could possibly tear with His human strength. God did it by the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. Now, God took and He tore that. And he said, no longer will I be separated from from my people. No longer will I not be in a relationship with my sons and my daughters. No longer will it be just one person once a year going into this place and talking to God face to face. He said, I tore that thing from the top down to the bottom and all your rebellion against man's authority all of our rebellion against man's provision all of our inability to keep the law is inside that ark of the covenant hallelujah when we get inside Christ when we are in Christ when we are in Christ we are face to face with God and we talk to him as a man talks to his brother and his friend there is something that we have you know what that All I want to happen today is revelation. Revelation. That we as people can be face to face with a living God. The temple. Okay, so. That's the Old Testament temple. Um, Quickly, just on this. The temple is cleaned and cleared by Jesus. Look at Matthew 21, 12 through 14. Jesus entered the temple. This is right before his death, and he drove out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he said, the scripture declared, my temple will be called the house of prayer. But you've turned it into a den of thieves. Today, Jesus, when he was exalted, the Holy Spirit came. And now we don't have an Old Testament temple where, the Spirit, where God's Spirit meets man once a year. Now we are the temple where the Spirit of God dwells in us all the time. But when He comes, when the Spirit of God comes in us, He drives out every thief and every robber in your life. So... The ones of you that are slaves today, you're only a slave because of lack of knowledge. The ones of you that are slaves to sin or fears or difficulties, it's because the eyes of your understanding haven't been enlightened to know who you are and what's been done in Christ. That's why the preaching of the Word needs to happen, because when you hear the Word preached, you can mix faith with strong biblical fact, and you can experience christian life at a different level you that are slaves do you not know that jesus when he was exalted he sent the holy spirit into our heart, into our hearts and we now are the temple of the living god and god's spirit dwells in us and you may say well what about my sin what about my rebellion What about all that? Same thing in the Old Testament. When we're in Christ, buddy, it's inside the ark. It's inside Jesus. And when God looks down, He sees somebody that's righteous. He sees someone that's holy. He sees someone that that, that, that is not uh, rejected, but accepted. Amen? He sees that. He sees you. He doesn't see you. He sees Jesus in you. Our temple is cleared. Today, God, by His Spirit, would like to bind up some cords and would like to drive some things out of your temple that doesn't belong there. There are things that are thieving you of peace. There are things that are thieving you of of where you're anxious and you can't live in the prosperity and the goodness of the Lord. Today, some of these people are like, man, I feel like God wants to set people free. You bet He wants to set people free. You can be free just hearing the word today. You don't even have to wait till the end. You can jump up and say, Hallelujah, I'm free. The Spirit of God's inside of me and He drives out these things. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. You are. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. He's been given. You are the temple. And he drives out every demonic force and every demonic lie. We command every demonic lie. We command every demonic root. We command every demonic stronghold. We command every demonic force to loose the children of God now in the name of Jesus that God's people are free. You are free. You are free. You shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. You are free. You are free. You're free. You're free. Hallelujah. Once we realize. And we make the discovery. This needs to be a discovery. That's when, when, when people. When, when I see just starry eyes. Or people dumbfounded or people not engaged. That's just a, that's a spirit of slumber. That's a spirit of ignorance. And that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a spirit that tries to keep people not knowing. Tries to keep you dumb. But revelation knowledge is where you get freedom. Church needs to be about discovery. You ought to discover something every week. There ought to be something that, that, and if you've discovered it, then you need to be experiencing the fruit of that. And if you're not, you need to rediscover. Because there's got to, when we realize, when we make the discovery that we are the dwelling place, my God, of the living God. We are the dwelling place of the living God. There's absolute, there has to be when that happens. Next week, I'm going to preach on the benefits of that. But here's what has to happen first. When you realize that, here's the first things first. I don't know if you're going to like this. There has to be an absolute full surrender of ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. It must follow. I want to say that again. When we realize and make the discovery that we are the dwelling place of the living God then an absolute, full surrender of ourselves to the Lordship of Christ must, must follow. Have we surrendered our heart? Have we surrendered our temple? Is Jesus on the throne or is Brian on the throne? We need to kick some Brian's butts off the throne's. And put who needs to be on the throne. In the throne of the temple. Until, that's absolute. That's an absolute necessity. You're not going to experience Christian life and service. Until you do that. Oh I see some fighters today. Woo, I'm seeing some fighters today. You like being in control. You, you like being in control of your time. You like being in control of your money. You like being in control well, brothers and sisters, when we come into Christ, we are not in control. We've been bought with a price. We are not our own. Therefore, we glorify God in our bodies. When Paul said, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies as living, as living uh, uh, sacrifices to the Lord, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Brothers and sisters, as Braden was telling me this week, he said, that's just getting in the door. People do a little bit of sacrifice and people do a little bit of of God living instead of self-living. They're like, whoo, look at me, baby. I, I, I gave up one thing for the Lord. We're supposed to give up everything for the Lord. We're to be managers and stewards of our time and of our money and of our families and of our businesses. Complete lordship. That's what God told me to preach today. Complete lordship. If you want God, if you're the temple of the living God and the spirit of the Lord dwells in you, then give God complete lordship. That's his place, not mine. Anybody out there say amen. Amen. The Bible says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Who is in you, whom you have from God? And, say it with me, you are not your own. Is it up there? You do not belong to yourself. You are not your own. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Listen to this. Consecration will follow revelation. Revelation consecration will follow revelation when we see that we're the temple of the, of the lord when we discover that when we see it i'm praying right now that you're going to see it today when you see that immediately we will immediately acknowledge that we are not our own anymore consecration will follow revelation when you see it then you'll give it what what it what he deserves the difference between victorious Christians and defeated Christian is not that some have the Spirit while others don't. Brothers and sisters, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit when you're born again. You're the temple. Of the, it, it's not... People that that's, that's live in the... Christ, it's not that they've got the Spirit and you don't. It's not that. It's not that. The difference is some know that he's dwelling while others don't. The difference is some recognize divine ownership of God while others are still master of their own lives. Thank you, Robert. Consecration to holiness will always follow revelation of the absolute lordship of Christ in us. We practice God-first living instead of self-first living. We give up all rights to ourselves and we submit to the absolute lordship of Christ. There must be a day when without reservation we surrender fully everything to him. Ourselves, our families, our possessions, our businesses, our time. Where all we are become his. And we are enti- entirely at his disposal at that time you will no longer you are no longer your own master but we will become the stewards and managers of all that he has given us two more things i'm going to read because it's come this is from a book and it is and it is only when the lordship of christ is in our hearts is a settled thing can the holy spirit operate effectively in us He cannot direct our lives until all control is given to Him to do so. If we can't give all authority and control of our lives to Him, He can be present in us, but not powerful through us. If we can give all authority and control of our lives over to Him, He can be present in us, but not powerful in us. Are are you living for the Lord or for yourself? Is there anything that God's asking of you that you're withholding? Is there any point of contention between you and he? When the area of lordship of the Spirit of God in your temple is settled and the Holy Spirit is given his full place, it is then that he can reproduce the life of Christ in us. It is then that you will not only carry the presence of God in you, you will also walk in the power and victory of God to the hope of the glory of God. That's Watchman Nee, that last little section out of his book, The Normal Life. So, we are the temple of the living God. His Spirit dwells in us. We need to give absolute control to Him. I want to give, talk about one more point today. is We must be careful Not to bring sorrow or to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. How many of you thought you could hurt God or grieve Him? Grieve doesn't mean, ooh, I'm so mad at you, I could just knock you off the face of the earth. That is not the grieve that the Greek's talking about. The grieve that it's talking about, it hurts God that He doesn't get to be in fellowship with us. And it hurts Him to see us doing stuff that are hurting ourselves and others. So if, when the Spirit of God, everybody think about the Spirit. You, you know, you can carry a Bible. and You can carry a good message. But what the greatest thing we carry is God in us. We are carriers of God's Spirit. Ephesians 4.30 says this, And don't bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. And then, I'm I'm paraphrasing, uh, I think, uh, verses 25 through 32. But think about that. Think about this, about not grieving the Spirit of God. Then He says this. Listen to this. Listen to this. So, let's don't grieve the Spirit. All right, Let's don't grieve Him. How many say He's in us? Is He in us? Let's don't grieve it. So, so, in order to not grieve the spirit. So, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we're all parts of the same body. Um, stop. Don't, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. You know, don't grieve the spirit. If you're a thief, don't grieve the spirit. If if, if you're an angry man, how many remember elf? He's an angry elf. If you're an angry elf, if you're an angry, don't let the sun go down. Make it right. You're grieving the Spirit. If you're a thief, don't steal anymore. Instead, use your hands for good work so you can give generously. Hey, uh, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. If you use foul or abusive language, anybody out there? You (laughs) foul-mouthed. Hey, is the Holy Spirit in you or not? Can you do this? Can you walk around and say, whoa, whoa, wait, Holy Spirit, let me take you out and leave you because I'm going to go ahead and do this. Or is he with you? Well, it grieves him when he's with you and and we lie and and we are foul-mouthed. Well, preacher ain't with me. I'm not at church. There's somebody greater than the preacher. There's okay. Don't let foul language let everything you say be good and helpful. Hey, you want to grieve don't grieve the spirit. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander. You know, I don't want to get into to, to politics too much, but it is ridiculous. I don't care if it's a Republican or a Democrat. The minute anybody wants to do something, they draw the lines of war and they start slandering each other. Like this slandering going on this one guy to where, I'm kind of like, Trump, save yourself the headache. They're going to crucify you. And then they, all this stuff's a bunch of you-know-what. It's a bunch of hooky. That's called slander. It's called slander. And it grieves the Spirit of God when we slander. It grieves the Spirit of God when you talk about brothers and sisters. It grieves Him. It grieves Him. So get rid of harsh words. It grieves the Spirit of God when you chide your child in not a loving way. It grieves the Spirit of God. Why? Because it brings sorrow to God's Spirit by the way we live. Remember, He's identified you as His own and He's guaranteed that you'll be saved on the day of judgment. How many have ever been hurt by words? How many have been hurt? How many of you still carry words clear back from high school? How many have been hurt by words? How many have, have, have been talked to harshly? How many have, 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 have an angry person been angry to you. How that go How'd that go for you? You know what it goes you know what it does to a lot of people years and years of therapy some medication some constant torment some paralyzation to where they can't even function in their jobs some they're so insecure And lack confidence of being a dad or mother or what they're called to be because all these things that have been spoken. I want you to think about when you grieve the spirit, it's not so much that he's mad at you. Ooh, I'm mad at you. I just want to knock you out. I don't think it's that. I think he's like, oh, you're hurting people. Dear God, you're hurting people you don't even realize it. When when you fly off your temper, you're hurting people. You're hurting people. You're hurting yourself. That's what grieves him. Sin hurts the Holy Spirit because sin hurts people that He loves. I have taken this on and off my notes all week. And I put it back on this morning. 1 Corinthians six thirteen says, NLT, NLT. You say. I want you to concentrate. As much as you can. While I read this. Try to hear every word. Because I want to read this. The way I heard it. First remember the Corinthian church. They were saying. You need to eat these foods. And you need to drink these drinks. And you need to go to church this day. And you need to do that. So they're already argued about all this stuff. Okay, Now picking up. I want you to listen real close. You say. Food was made for the stomach. And the stomach for food. Because they were arguing about that. This is true. This is true. Though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say this. If you want to say food's for the stomach. You can eat this. Drink that. Go for it. I don't care. I don't really give, give a flip. Go for it. But you can't say this, that our bodies are made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. And someday God's going to raise us up from the dead by His power just as He raised up our Lord from the dead. Look at this. Don't you realize? Don't you know this? Don't you realize this? Don't you realize That your bodies are actually parts of Christ. Should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join him to a prostitute? Never! Explanation point. Never! Listen, and don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her. That's why you have to break soul ties through prayer. For the scripture says they too are united as one. But the person who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run. 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 From sexual sin. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one. Listen, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about people. I'm not talking about you and your body. It affects you and your body. but sexual immorality affects you and your kids and your cousins and your aunts and your uncles and your people at church and your. it affects. It affects, don't you realize, run from it, No other. it affects the body, no, no other things hurts the body like this one. And even on that, the Lord's not like this, free sexual fornication, for you shall burn in hell with the judgment of God. No. He, he don't want you to burn in hell, he wants you to live. We don't use these scriptures to start thrashing on people. Do you know it's the long-suffering and the gentleness and the kindness of Lord that gets people to change? Listen to me. When I was my angriest in my 20s living in Wyoming is when I was a horse's hiney to my kids and my wife one day. And I went to bed. And I turned over in the bed. Most wives, if, I, they, if their husband acted like I did that day, they would have given him the cold shoulder and they just turned their back and not talked to him for days. My wife, I turned my back, not mad at her or not mad at... You know who I was mad at? Me. I was mad at me. I was hurting about me and my conduct. My wife starts rubbing my back and saying, you are the best husband a woman could ever want. You are the, Brian, you're the best dad. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're gonna grow, you're the, you're a good dad. You're a good father, you're a good provider. She just kept rubbing my back. And I could feel the tears and the snot going down my cheek and making a puddle on my pillow. Her getting in my face would have got me right back in her face. Because we all compete. But it was that gentle. It was that love. It was that forbearance that breaks the hardest things. So with this scripture, don't you realize your body, it's the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God. You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a price. So brothers and sisters, honor God with your body. Got a couple of questions. How many of you have been hurt by a cheating spouse or partner? How many children have been hurt by their parents splitting up? How many have hurt yourself and spouse? How many have been sexually abused or taken advantage of? How many gave up your purity and wished you would would have saved it for your marriage and the one that you really love now? So when God says don't grieve the Spirit, it's because all those questions, if anyone's, has anybody had any of them? Raise your hands all over the church. Raise your hands up all over the church if you had any of those. How'd that make you feel? What good came out of that? The reason the Holy Spirit tells us to run from sexual immorality its because it hurts people. It hurts you, it hurts him. There's one more question I had today. As I was like, God, I need you to help me figure something out. And he said, All right, what's that, Brian? I said, When I do wrong, which I still do, just so you know, I have this week, I'm sure. Probably have today. Boy, when, when, when I do wrong when I feel that estrangement or I feel that disconnect or I feel that coldness or I feel that I'm not pals with you God is that explaining it? everybody with me? when I'm feeling that Okay, I ask him this. I say, God, is that on your side where you're doing something that causes me to feel like that? Or is that coming from my side? And you know what he told me? I don't have a scripture to say it. He told me it's from your side. It's from your side. I'm always here to embrace I'm always here to love. I'm always here to forgive. I'm always here to correct with love. I'm always here to show you a better way. But coldness and awkwardness and feeling embarrassed and God's angry with me and he doesn't like me anymore. I don't care if you're I don't care what sin you're in. If you're feeling any of those kind of emotions, those are your emotions. And they're coming from you, not him. He's altogether lovely. He's altogether beautiful. Thank you. For more information and to stay up to date with what's happening in the life of Church on the Rock, please visit us on the web at cotrag.org. Thanks again for tuning in.